Happy Tuesday to fans of the Bullhawk Sports Show. I'm CJ Hawk, co-host of the program. I have a little bit of news to discuss here on the podcast. This is a short episode, mainly focused on recent free agent moves and a discussion I was involved in. DJ Bennett, Bull, and I, in the future, will have a more lawn-out, researched, and developed episode coming up pretty soon. We're excited about that, and we'll definitely let you know when it's coming out for release. For now, this news will focus on the White Sox and the Bulls. We'll start with the Chicago Bulls first. The Bulls season has not gone to plan. It's been not a disaster, but it's not been a home run either. The team has struggled with injuries. Zach Levine's out for the season. Lonzo Ball has still not played one game yet for the club. Now Patrick Williams is also out for the year. And other players have been hurt or underperformed as well. A few of the bright spots have been Kobe White's been playing far better this season. He's been really developed himself in terms of his three-point shooting, which was always one of his skills. But he's also become a far stronger passer. He's improved as a point guard, which is definitely very important for this team's future. I think he's definitely a building block piece that he can use. Definitely starting potential, depending on moves the team makes in free agency or trades. We'll have to see how that goes. As DJ Benable and I discussed in a prior episode, we had discussed was it feasible, did it make sense to trade Zach Levine? But that was before the injury. So now Zach Levine, he's not getting traded anytime soon. His Albatross contract is huge. He's out for the whole year and probably won't come back for a decent amount of time even before the season. So if I was opposing team, I would not trade for Levine with the contract and injury concerns. That's one of his big weaknesses. He's often injured, which that's not his fault, of course, but when you have a huge contract, there's high valid injury concerns. As a business organization, it's not the greatest idea to trade for someone along those lines and there was concerns too is he as good as people expect definitely Levine's a very above average solid scorer that's one of his highlights he's not the best defender he's not the best playmaker but definitely one healthy he's a good solid piece on club starting but I think a club that already has a few stars, one or two, he's definitely best for the third man on a club, not the star or the second star on this Bulls team, which he is. For example, let's say a team wanted him, like LeBron James. College said, I want Levine now. So it was LeBron, Anthony Davis, then Zach Levine. Maybe that would make more sense along those lines. Just not this team. The main news that I have discussed about the Bulls is the quandary, the mystery, the confusion about Bulls' 2020 fourth overall pick 
Patrick Williams. Huge dilemma for the team. I actually am not sure where I'm leaning in regards to figuring out best to end this dilemma. Let me go into details on why this is a major issue for the team. Patrick Williams was drafted fourth overall from Florida State. People were salivating over Patrick Williams' potential. He was only 19 at the time. He had great windspan, great length, good height, solid scorer from Florida State. He was sixth man at Florida State, but I think that was more they wanted huge scoring off the bench, is my assumption. And the team was craving Williams, so when he fell into her lap at four, probably that's where he's going to end up no matter what. They drafted him, pounced. The first move for the Arturis Karnasovas and Mark Eversley era, their first pick in the draft. So he's their guy. And Williams, so far, has not panned out. And before you say he hasn't started enough games or he's not getting the, the amount of touches he requires, he's had a solid number of starts. His rookie year, he started 71 games. He started about 40 this season so far. He started 65 last year. And then the year before that, he was hurt the whole year. But he has had starts. He started with Vucevic, Levine, and DeRozan. He started without them. And his numbers are pretty much flatlined overall every year. They've been the same. He's scored 9 points a game one year, 9.5 another year, 10, 10.1. So in the four years he's played in the NBA, he's pretty much hovered around 9 to 10 points every year. His rebound numbers have lessened every year. And for a man of his wingspan height, it's kind of surprising he can only average around four rebounds a game. Some of his highlights are this year, for example, he's improved his three-point shooting. He's shooting 41% as of recently from free, which is very solid. And he does have good leaping ability. But the main issues with Williams haunt him for his career is his draft spot. In the NBA, for example, compared to, for example, baseball or hockey, NBA and football, especially those two, there's not really a G League that a player who's drafted first round would go to or a lower level developmental league. When you're drafted high in NFL and NBA, you immediately get put on the club you're going to. Whereas baseball, you start in the minors, and hockey also tend to start in minors as well. So Williams immediately was drafted fourth and immediately became a starter his rookie year. There was hope that he could become an ex-Kawhi Leonard. There was rumors like that. That hurts people's developmental league and probably their mental viewpoint. If they keep saying like he's going to be the next LeBron, the next Kawhi Leonard, the next Davis, the next Dirk Nowitzki, then, and if he's not, then the fan base will be booing, the media people will be screaming, People being like, he's been a big failure, a bust, completely stunk. But he's become a solid 
starter on a highly talented team or a man, solid 3 and D player off the bench, role player. Those are his two areas right now that I would say he most likely fits. There was a comment that got me laughing and I, I disagreed with it. He was interviewed and he said he believes he's a cornerstone for the Bulls franchise. He wants to resign with the Bulls. And the issue with that for me is that his contract, a comparison I saw was that J.D. McDaniels from Timberwolves, he signed for five years, $105 million. There's rumors that Williams is seeking such a contract. But I don't believe that he's lived up to that level of contract or deserves it. Or his level players that warrant that. So I'll have to see if the Bulls resign him. Most likely they probably will. Even though I think he requires a fresh start on a new team. The reasons for the re-signing are... He was the first ever pick by the Karnaschovas ever as a franchise era in management. Do they want him to leave, to walk, to Williams be gone? Second, they're still trying to come up with ideas of DeRozan coming back. What's happening with Levine saga or Vucevic or our free agent moves? Do they want Williams still to be there? But... If Williams believes that he's a cornerstone superstar and de- demands and requires big money, I honestly let him walk. I don't want to let him walk. I'd rather re-sign him and hope that something could be salvaged from his play improved. But at this point, four years has gone by and still he's not improved. Besides three-point shooting, his defense and perimeter has improved slightly. But he does not, to me, qualifies a superstar in this league or even a star more solid player continuing with Williams discussion I subscribe to the Athletic and a lot of the news stories articles mailbags I participate in and like to use them for helping improve the Mohawk Sports Show and one of the ones I was involved in was with Darnell Mayberry he's the beat writer for the Bulls on the Athletic he was asking questions so I asked a question in the mailbag and I was talking about what to do with Williams. I asked, would he let Williams walk? If the Bulls resigned Williams, what level of contract would they look to give him? Or he would he sign for? And I was a little bit harsh, to be honest, in my response for the question. I kind of described it as Williams' poor play. I'm done with making excuses for him. And Mayberry gave it a Logical, of course, mentioned stats that Williams has improved. He knows fans are upset with Williams' high-level draft pick and not panning out, but that Williams does have value. It's not good business method to let a player with value walk, which I agreed with. The main reason I brought it up was that he's a free agent. If he was not a free agent, I would not suggest trading him. I would suggest keeping him. He's only 22. But he's a free agent, and... He was a first-round pick, lottery pick. So I don't want it to be a huge mega deal for Williams and make the team hampered by heavy contract when I'm still unsure if he'll improve to warrant such a deal. And I still think he requires a new start, as I mentioned. So kind of the quandary, the dilemma, the mystery of Williams. 
Do the Bulls resign him? Do the Bulls let him walk? When he's resigned, what type of contract? If he's resigned, how do they utilize Williams? Is he off the bench as a sixth, seventh man? Is he still used as starter because they think he's so explosive? Is waiting untapped potential? They don't resign DeRozan and Poot Williams as a superstar in the small forward spot? I'm unsure. I don't have an answer to give you. I apologize. Just, I hope it can be resolved. We'll have to see what transpires, but injured often, still not living up to the level of pick, and still not improving. Three downsides of Williams. But he's only 22. He might have some untapped potential. So it requires Mark Iversley and Karnasovic to sit down with Jerry Reinsdorf and discuss, do we re-sign Williams or let him go? We'll have to see. If you have any ideas, suggestions, questions, or opinions, let me know. DJ Benny Bull, I'd love to discuss them with you. If you have your own viewpoint, Williams, either from emotional or logical viewpoint, everyone works for us in discussing the Bulls, especially the quandary of Patrick Williams. So that concludes my Bulls talk here on Blog Sports Show for this episode. Now we move on pivot to the White Sox news. The Chicago White Sox spring training started a couple days ago. I got to watch their first spring training game of the season in Arizona because I had an off day from work, so I was able to sit down home and watch it. It was available on NBC Sports Chicago. They played the Chicago Cubs, so crosstown matchup in Arizona. It was a good game overall. It was nice seeing some of the White Sox non-roster invitees, some of the White Sox new free agent signings, and players from the last year's roster as well. For example, some of the players I got to see play were non-roster invitee Jesse Chavez, solid reliever, four and a half year A average. He's a good mix of stuff. Okay, fastball, decent off-speed stuff. He's the type of signing that you assign to be middle reliever, like for the 6th, 7th inning maybe, probably 6th inning. And he's very experienced, veteran, he's been in the league a long time, with many different organizations, for example, Oakland A's, he's with them for a long time. He's with the Braves recently. And Chavez... Brings leadership and experience. They can help the younger pitchers on the club. We have a lot of younger players. He can help mentor them, give them suggestions, ideas, advice, which will help. And teams can always use bullpen arms. Was he good in this? He started the first game against the Cubs. He played one inning. He was horrible. He got destroyed. But it was mainly to see and tune up what he has, what he's offering. Is he worth adding to the roster? We'll have to see. Will he make the team? Not sure. But he has an advantage of experience, and bullpen arms are always needed either to trade or just help overall. Martin Maldonado also played. He used his arm a lot. He threw to second base a few times. 
It was good to see him in action behind the dish. Other players that were playing, for example, Oscar Colos, highly coveted prospect, came later in the game. He did some stuff. He was okay. I want to give a shout-out to another player as well. He looked very good. Ed Ferd. He had some good throws. Ramos. He impressed. And even though the White Sox were destroyed 8-1, to the Cubs blew him away. Part of it was their pitching was horrible the first inning. Once they got out of that, they were okay. It, the wins and losses, of course, in spring training did not matter. It's more just seeing how the roster will shape up at either signing non-roster invitees, who's going to the minors, and who is making the big league club. Are the reasons for the club to look at. And also tune up for the pitchers and hitters. Pitchers, it takes them longer to get tune up and get ready for the season than hitters. Hitters really only need probably two weeks, whereas pitchers need more, like four, five to six weeks to get prepared. Especially starters who are going to be throwing a lot of innings. And it was good to see the White Sox. The Cubs looked a lot better. It was nice to see some of their players as well. And as a Bonk Sports Show, we covered mostly Chicago teams. Definitely getting more info on the Cubs so I can discuss that as well. We mainly focus on this podcast on the Bulls, White Sox, in terms of Chicago especially. Those are the main two. But we'll be discussing our teams as well because that's important to discuss. But that's the White Sox first game. And on Tuesday, they face off against the Dodgers, Shohei Otani. He's making his spring debut as a hitter against the White Sox in that game. And I want to see who starts for the White Sox today and who gets more hits and who gets to pitch as well. Because, for example, on that Friday game against the Cubs, the White Sox had a different pitcher every inning. They wanted to get a lot of their pitchers game time action to see what they offered. One thing I like about spring training is you can see pitchers that you didn't even know were signed or pitchers that have been legal on time, trying to get an opportunity, or young guys from the minors with prospects the team is hoping can make the big of the club or have improved or see what they offer so they can make decisions. That's the White Sox for training news. We'll definitely keep you updated if more arises, we'll let you know in terms of who's making the roster, who is not, and what the game plan was under Pedro Grafal, and the White Sox, and Chris Getz, White Sox team. The second part of this discussion is about Jerry Reinsdorf. He has said he needs a new ballpark. Using one billion in public funding, he hopes to have built a brilliant stadium right on the Chicago River in South Loop. Gorgeous stadium. The pictures of it do look very very pretty. It looks like a great ballpark. A lot of teams love having ballparks right in the water, right at Chicago River, downtown South Loop, Chicago. So leaving Bridgeport, where they've been for a long time, where the originally Comiskey Park was built, they'll be leaving to move to the South Loop. Uh, for example, Governor Jerry Pritzker 
or not, excuse me, not Jerry, but Pritzker, he talked about how he disagrees and does not agree to the one billion in public funding. Currently, he does not see enough evidence to warrant going ahead with that. And Jerry Reinsdorf currently has not suggested selling the club. The people want him to sell. There's rumors that they hope he sells. He has threatened in the past to move the team to, for example, Nashville or Florida, different city. I don't want the White Sox to move, of course. Could you against that? The history of being in Chicago is so long. They've been here for over 100 years. I am not get for the White Sox moving. And one of the things Jerry Weinzer talks about is that the ballpark's too old, it's decrepit, it's falling apart. I've been to games recently, just even last year. I don't agree if it's falling apart. I don't know if it's the greatest stadium ever to see a game. It's a bigger stadium. And there's not a lot to do outside the stadium. So in regards to that, yes. But I think it's still in fine condition to see a game. But you can't blame the ballpark particularly 100%. Because if the White Sox stink, the production of field's poor, why are fans going to come piling in to see the White Sox? Because he talks about the level of fan food is so poor and fans aren't coming. But if fans do come to see the White Sox, when the team's playing well, even when there's average, fans love to go see the White Sox. But when the White Sox discuss they're struggling, they're making no money, they have to do cuts, trade people, they don't have a future, that's not a way to attract fans. And the White Sox play with the Cubs in the same city. They're a lot different. A lot of people are local, of course. Go to both. But the White Sox hopefully can improve this season. I mean, they lost over 100 games last season, so it's hard to be even worse. Hopefully they won't be. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully they squash and they don't move. We'll have to see what Jerry Reindorf does. If he can't get this agreed upon to open this palace on the South Loop, Will they continue to bring up the frets of moving the team to a new city? Unless it's resolved. I hope not. I still want that happening. Because you can say, for example, the A's are moving. That's also been a disaster in terms of can't get a new ballpark built. They complained a lot about fans, too, not coming. Both the A's having the worst teams in all the league in the stadium. One of the worst by far in the whole league. And they couldn't get a deal done. It was finally time to move. The White Sox aren't as precarious position as that as the A's who moved to Vegas. But we'll have to see what happens. And hopefully it's positive out- outlook and outcome for the White Sox fans and the city itself. Because leaving Bridgeport and then not even moving to a new stadium in Chicago, but leaving the whole city and state entirely is the worst outcome possible. So thank you for listening to this episode of Blog Sports Show. First half was on the Bulls and Patrick Williams' dilemma quandary. The second half was the mystery of him. The second half was about the White Sox spring training. First look. And then the Jerry Reinsdorf new stadium 
Dilemma and Frets are moving. Thank you. See you next time. Blog Sports Show. CJ Hawk signing off.